story. I was, uh, we were believing God to buy our house. This is some years ago now. And so, uh, so there was a big Sears in Covina that uh, was having this big, uh, you know, they have these big tent sales in parking lot. They're clearing out a bunch of old inventory. So we went to take a look at the, the tent sale, and they had this pool. And it said, and it was all sales final, all right? No returns and big red signs, all sales final, no returns. You bought it, you got it, you know? And so, uh, so they had this pool, and it was 4 by 12. I thought, this is great. We had, we had, our boys were small at the time. And I go, you know, it's, uh, it's 4 feet you know, wide and 12, 12 inches deep, 4 by 12. It'll fit in my backyard. A little waiting pool just right for the kids. It was 1999. And it's what it said on the box. So I can go forward. Thus, I went down there and bought the pool in 1999. And when I went to pick it up, there's these two huge boxes. And it had a little pickup truck. It had to back it up. And two guys, it took two guys to load it back there. Turns out it was four foot by 12 foot <laughs> above ground. One of those big doorway pools with a pump and a ladder and a whole deal. Well, the guy in my church worked for that Sears. And so I told him about this. And he goes, you know what? He went and looked at that, that pool. Uh, it's an old one, you know, it's an old model, but when it was new, it retailed for over $1,000. And he goes, you paid how much? I said, $19.99. He goes, you know, it was mismarked. It's supposed to have said $199.99. But all sales are final, all right? <laughs> no returns. So I turned around and put that thing up for sale. We had a thing called the Penny Saver before the days of Craigslist, right? A little paper that came out you know, once a week to your mailbox and 600 bucks. Just like that. So in 1999, it became 600 bucks, just like that. But I'm a tither. I'm a sower. I'm a giver. God has all kinds of ways to bring it to you. So don't limit God to one avenue. Don't limit God to one source. You just do our parts to sow, our parts to obey, our parts to give. Amen? Why don't we stand to our feet right now and uh, let that encourage you. If you're believing God right now, be encouraged. His word works. Amen. Lord, thank you tonight for your goodness. May the Holy Spirit lead us. And guide us into all truth. Cause your word to come alive on the inside of our hearts where we can hear it and just go live it, just go do it. It's in the application of the word of God that our lives are transformed from glory to glory. So thank you tonight. We pray in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. Shake someone's hand. Tell them, pay attention tonight. You're going to grow. You're going to learn something tonight. Pay attention. Amen. Hey, let's turn, please, in our Bibles to the book of Matthew, if you will, chapter number 14. And I want to talk about tonight, surviving the storm, surviving the storm. Now, I don't know who it is tonight. You might be in a storm right now. I know what it is to be in a storm. We're actually in some challenges right now uh, in, in our family and some areas right now. And so maybe you've got a storm in your family. Uh, maybe you've got a financial storm. Maybe you've got a work-related storm or a lack of work. Maybe right now in your life you think everything's calm, but you don't realize the storm clouds are gathering just beyond your eyesight right now. So you've got to know how we can survive the storm. So in Matthew 14, it's an amazing story here of Jesus walking on the water, but not just him. Peter walks on the water, notice here, to go to Jesus. Matthew 14, verse number 22. This is immediately Jesus made, I'm reading the New King James. Immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Now when evening came, he was alone there. But the boat was now in the middle of the sea, which is the Sea of Galilee. It's a large, we say sea, really it's a gigantic freshwater lake is what it is. So the boat's in the middle of the sea, 
tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Say contrary. contrary. Say it again, contrary. contrary. Now, I know people who think this. If I just obey God my entire life, the wind's always at my back. The wind's always in my sails, right? But they're right where Jesus told them to go. He told them to get in the boat. He told them to cross to the other side. They're right in the middle of his perfect will and 100% obedience, right where he told them to be, and the wind was in their face. The wind was contrary. It says in the New Living Translation, they were in trouble. And you can be in the middle of God's will and trouble comes your way. Can you say amen? amen? And we think, well, what happened here? Why do you think you need the name of Jesus or the armor of God or the power of the Holy Spirit or the promises of God? We don't need them in heaven. Won't be no trouble up there. Amen? It's right. We're not in heaven yet. This is Southern California. It's not it, right? <laughs> and so here, so, so don't confuse it. People think sometimes, well, you know, that guy, or, or they, get, they get cynical and they get judgmental. Ooh, that guy must have missed it. Look at the trouble that came his way. He's got some secret sin in his life. He, I bet he, he disobeyed God somewhere. There's something going on in his life. Ooh, I wonder what. You judge, judge yourself and that's it, all right? You don't get to judge everybody else like that. No, you can be right in the middle of the will of God and the wind is contrary. Are you listening to me now? So they're there where he told them to go. The Bible says they're in the middle of the sea. We're going to see it in a minute here. It's also the middle of the night when they're doing this here. And they're doing what Jesus told them to do. They're out there in the boat, and the wind is contrary. Verse number 25. Now, in the fourth watch of the night, it's about 3 o'clock in the morning. That is in the wee hours. Now, I'll tell you what. I love to go saltwater fishing. I've gone for multi-day saltwater fishing on a boat for six straight days one time, and it is spooky on the ocean at night. Even on a big boat with lights and generators and all that, it is, there's just something. Anybody ever been out there in the middle of the night on, on the ocean? And on a cruise ship, that's different. Okay, forget the cruise ship. But on a boat, it, is, it, is, it can be a weird thing. So it's 3 o'clock in the morning, and the disciples are out there, and it's stormy, and, it's, and the, the wind's contrary, but they're where Jesus told them to be. And this is all happening here in the fourth watch of the night, about 3 o'clock in the morning. Jesus went to them walking on the sea. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, it's a ghost, and they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, be of good cheer or be encouraged. It is I, do not be afraid. Now, whenever we're feeling fear, listen for his voice. Whenever you're being, feeling afraid of something, listen for his voice. He's trying to say something to you. And the way to combat fear is with the promise of God. The way to overcome any kind of fear is to be a doer and to act upon the word of God. Can you say amen? The Bible says as soon as they cried out for fear, he immediately spoke. He said something to them when they were there in the middle of their fear. So whatever it is that might trouble you, listen for his voice. Get in the word. There's a word for you to overcome that. Can you say amen to that? Amen. And so it says here, they cried out. They were afraid. They thought it was a ghost. It says in the New Living, in the New Living they were terrified. And he said, right away he spoke to them. 
In verse 27, immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, be of good cheer or be encouraged. It's me, I'm here. Do not be afraid. Now I read all that to read what comes next. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. So he said, come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. Now, I grew up in church my entire life. I was raised in the Catholic church, so I was forced to go to catechism and do all these things, you know, growing up in the Catholic church. And so we heard about some of the miracles in the Bible. We heard about, about Peter and stuff like that and catechism and so forth. But I got to tell you the truth. I never knew my entire life that Peter walked on water. I knew Jesus walked on water. I heard about him walking on water, but I never knew until I read the Bible for myself that not only did Jesus walk on water, Peter walked on water. The Bible says right here, he told Jesus, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. Jesus said, come. So he didn't do it presumptuously. He knew if, if Jesus tells me to do it, I can. If I can get a word from him on this, I can walk on that word. I can do it. And when Jesus said, come, he acted on the word. Faith is acting on the word of God. And the Bible says, when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But, but, when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? When they got in the boat, the wind ceased. Then those who were in the boat came and worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. What can we do to survive the storm? What can we learn from the story here? Three things. Number one, keep your eyes on Jesus. Say it with me. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Tell your neighbor, keep your eyes on Jesus. Number one, so simple. So simple, but is it not challenging? Don't all kinds of things come at us to try to get our attention anywhere but Jesus? Get our eyes on this, get our eyes on that, get our eyes on ourselves, get our eyes on our past, get our eyes on whatever. Keep your eyes on Jesus. I think there are a couple of things that we can do to help us keep our eyes on Jesus. Number one, prayer. Prayer. Now, I was taught as a child to say my prayers, but I was never taught to pray. And so I don't think saying form prayers is a bad thing if it primes you to pray, if it jumpstarts you to get into prayer. Are you listening to me now? But just, I was taught to say prayers. And so, you know, we'd say these prayers and your mind's wandering and all this and that. But prayer is talking to God. What is prayer? Talking to God. It's communication with God. We talk to him, he talks to us. We talk to him in prayer, he talks to us in our heart, he talks to us in, our, in his word, he talks to us through other people. Prayer is talking to God. It's communicating with God. It's carrying out his will upon the earth. 
We, you and I were born to walk with God. We were created to know him. That's why we exist. That's why God made mankind. He made mankind a fellowship with him. When Adam sinned in the garden, God went looking for him. That is how much he wants to walk with you and with me. Prayer should be as natural as breathing for the believer. Some people just try too hard. Relax. God hears you talk all day long. Someone said, oh, it's not a good thing. Well, it's a, you decide that, all right? But the Bible says in the Psalm 62 to pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. So just pray. Just talk to God. Just open up your heart to him. Prayer is communication with God. Prayer is fellowshipping with God. So we can pray. We keep our eyes on Jesus through prayer. Also, we keep our eyes on him through his word. As we keep our eyes on his word, we keep our eyes on him. I keep my eyes on Jesus as I keep my eyes on his word. Can you say amen to that? Proverbs chapter 4 says this. This is the New Living Translation. New Living Translation. My child, pay attention to what I say. Listen carefully to my words. Don't lose sight of them. Let them penetrate deep into your heart, for they bring life to those who find them and healing to their whole body. Listen, when God's word is in my mouth, it'll, when, I should say, when God's word is in my heart, it'll show up in my mouth. And when it's in my mouth, it gets down into my heart. And when it's in my heart, it comes out of my mouth. And when it comes out of my mouth, it gets down into my heart. One feeds the other. So I keep my eyes on Jesus through prayer. I keep my eyes on Jesus but as I keep my eyes upon his word. So number one, keep your eyes on Jesus. I think something else we might overlook about this is that we keep our eyes on Jesus through fellowship with other believers. The storm comes and many believers quit going to church. When that's when you need the strength of other spirit-filled, faith-filled believers more than any other time. So isolation, remember this, isolation is always the devil's strategy. And he will use anything to isolate you. Low self-esteem, being offended, not liking something, something rubs you the wrong way. Maybe right now I'm rubbing you the wrong way. I, it's a gift. I have this gift. Amen? And so people will, will, will they'll withdraw from fellowship. Remember, Adam tried that. He tried to hide from God in the garden. Hide from God. Hello. <laughs> Where are you going to do that? See? And so, so fellowship. I see God in others. Others inspire me. Somebody else may have gone through the storm I'm going through right now. And I see what God did in them, and I'm inspired to keep standing. And well, what did you pray? What promise did you stand upon? Uh, what did you do? I grew up going fishing with my dad, and if we were sitting there on the shore, and we're, not, and we're getting skunked, and there's a guy right down the shore from me, and he's getting bit all the time, we would go ask the guy, how are you tying up? How, how long is the leader? What kind of bait do you have? How, how, what size of hooks are you using? Fishermen talk. You know, because we're not getting any results, but you are. How, how do we? But what do Christians do? They just get mad. Or they get jealous of some other Christian. How come he's getting a bite and I'm not? Because your attitude, it stinks. That's why. And God's not blessing that. 
So we need fellowship with other believers, and we can draw inspiration from others. So don't get upset when somebody else got their blessing. Get inspired. You serve the same God they serve. You have the same promises they have. Instead of getting, well, I don't know who he thinks he is, just go ask him, what verse were you standing on? Would you agree with me in prayer? Could I just call you the next time I'm just kind of feeling like I just need someone to agree with me in prayer? So fellowship. So keep your eyes on Jesus. Prayer through his word and through fellowship. Number two, what can we do to survive the storm? We said already, keep your eyes on Jesus. Number two, this one's huge. This one speaks to me right here. Beware of distractions. Beware of distractions. Say it with me. Beware of distractions. Tell your neighbor, beware of distractions. Here's what I know. Distractions come to everybody. Everybody at one time or another gets distracted. I have this big, huge Ram, Dodge Ram van. It's a, it's a high top with a TV, and we use it for our, our trips. And we had it for many, many years now. But when you're on the freeway in that big old van, you're sitting up high. And I was going somewhere the other day in that van down the freeway up by me. It's a 605 freeway. It's going down 605. And I promise I saw at least six people texting on the phone on the freeway. Distracted. And accidents happen that way, on that freeway especially. And so people get distracted by all kinds of things. So distractions come to everybody. Listen, the purpose of a distraction is to get your attention on something else. Did you hear that? Let me say it again. The purpose of a distraction is to get your attention on something else. Uh, in sports, if you, if you know about football, they'll run a misdirection play and they'll fake the ball one way to get the defense to look that way and they'll run a play the opposite direction. In boxing, they'll fake with a left and they'll throw a right. In, in combat, in warfare, they'll have diversionary tactics and, and get the enemy to think they're going to attack that way and it makes them vulnerable to an attack from the flank on the other side. Distractions. And the enemy does the very same thing to you and me. He uses distractions to rob us of the blessings of God. Here's Peter walking on the water. And in verse 30, it says he saw the wind was boisterous. The only way he could see the wind and see the waves was to take his eyes off of Jesus. When his eyes were on Jesus... The Bible said earlier, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. His eyes were on Jesus, and he's doing the impossible. He does what cannot be done. He's walking on water. But all of a sudden, he realizes it's windy, and it's choppy. And we saw earlier, the wind was contrary. In other words, the wind was coming at him. The waves were coming at him. They were against him. They were coming at him, and he got his eyes off of Jesus and got his eyes onto the wind and onto the waves, and that's when he began to sink, a distraction. Hold the place here. Let's go real fast to the book of Luke, if you will. Chapter number 10. Luke's gone. We'll come back here in a minute. Luke chapter number 10, a classic example of, of being distracted, and it robs somebody of what God's trying to do in their life. It's a story of Mary and Martha hosting the Lord Jesus Christ himself in their home. Luke 10, 
Notice here, please, verse number 38. Luke 10, 38. It says, Now what happened as they went, that he entered a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. Now Martha and Mary are sisters. They live in the town of Bethany. They've got a brother. Maybe you've heard of him. His name is Lazarus, the one that Jesus raised from the dead. And, that, and they're all brothers and sisters, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. So they were apparently very good friends with Jesus, and he would oftentimes in his travels stop and stay at their home and be with them. This was one of those times. And so he enters a certain village, which is Bethany, and a certain woman there named Martha welcomed him into her house. She had a sister called Mary. Now watch. Mary sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. The Greek says she was listening to his word. So there was an ongoing dialogue happening with Jesus. Now imagine, get the picture. Jesus shows up in your house, sits down in your living room, and begins to teach. What else matters right then? The dog needs to be fed. He can go hungry. The dishes, they can stay in the sink. Whatever else. I mean, does anything else matter at a time like that? Jesus is in your house and he's teaching. Mary realized this. She dropped what she was doing and she sat at his feet and she was listening to his word. But Martha was distracted. New King James says she was distracted. Watch this now with much serving. Now, we oftentimes think that distractions are always some kind of temptation or something evil. In her case, it was something good. Serving is a great thing. We ought to serve. It's a great thing to serve. Serving is a wonderful thing until serving gets in the way of serving. You with me? Until serving, here's the thing that's crazy about this story. Her attempts to serve him She's doing all this because he's in the house. She's trying to make sure everything's just right and the, the snacks are just right and the, the drinks are just right and everybody has ice in their glass or whatever. So her attempts, here's what's so bizarre. If you do ministry in the church, I'm talking to you right now. This is so bizarre, so amazing. Her attempts to do ministry, her attempts to serve him were actually drawing her away from him. Is that not amazing or what? See, I've seen people, I've been a pastor for 32 years. And we're a very, very high ministry-oriented church. We have a lot of people who do a lot of ministry in the church. Lots of volunteers. And I've seen people over the years um, get involved with ministry and be excited but then they forgot why they were doing what they were doing. And when Sunday came, instead of saying, praise God, it's my turn again to teach those kids, they're like, oh, man, it's my Sunday again to teach those kids. And they forgot why they were doing what they were doing. When ministry becomes a drag, I'm sorry, I was raised in the 70s, a drag, I don't know, what, what would you say now? Not fun. When ministry becomes burdensome, we need to remember why we signed up. We, we can forget why we do what we do. Amen? 
John Maxwell was a pastor. Many of you know John Maxwell. He travels internationally, leadership speaker and all this. But he was, a, for many years, a pastor in San Diego. So when he was, I was down there for a conference one time, and he had some of his board guys there, and he'd assign, he would disciple his board. He had assigned his board to go interview somebody from their job that they admired. And so he had a guy on his board who worked for IBM. And so they entered, they, they, the assignment was for a couple of weeks. They were going to reconvene again and come back, and each guy give a report on who the guy was they interviewed and what they learned and what they gleaned and so forth. Guy from IBM, it's his turn to share. As he begins to share, he begins to cry. This is a grown man executive for IBM. He begins to cry right in the board meeting. And he says, I, I, I just interviewed a guy who was more passionate for IBM than I am for Jesus. And he, he goes, I need prayer. That guy loves IBM, and he's more committed and more passionate and more enthusiastic for IBM than I am for the Lord Jesus Christ himself. I need prayer, man. I never, ever forgot that story. And I thought, you know, there's a lot of things that are clamoring for our attention, a lot of things that want to distract, and they're, and they're great things. Martha wasn't wrong to serve. She was right to want things to be, you know, here's my wife. I'm sorry, I should have introduced my beautiful love of my life, Esther, 35 years of marriage this year, all right? And we host a lot, of, we have a thing at our house for leaders this Friday night. We do a lot of things at our house, and Esther will, you know how it is. I mean, she wants things to be right and make sure the food is good and make sure, and I, I still have sons who live at my house, and so you know what that means? Mess, right? And, she, and so she wants things to be clean and, and all this, and so I know how it is to be that way. Martha's not so much wrong, except that Jesus is teaching, and she got distracted by much serving, and then it gets worse because people who are distracted try to distract others. And look what happens here. So it says, Mar she had a sister called, Martha was welcoming into her house. She had a sister called Mary who also sat at his feet and was listening to his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And now get the nerve, watch this, the nerve. She approached him. She interrupts him. He's teaching. He's doing a Bible study, and she tries to break it up. Wow. She interrupts him. It says she approached him and said, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to come and help me. Lord, it's more important for me to have a little cakes just right than what you're saying. Tell her to get up. In fact, she's being lazy. Look at her, Lord. She's there with you. She had to be over here helping me and be stressed like me. Say amen or say oh me. Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things. But this was her distraction. Worry, being burdened down, being distracted. One thing is needed. Mary has chosen that good part which will not be taken away from her. So beware of distractions. Distractions come to everybody. Oh, get this. Peter was distracted by the wind and the waves. Wind, waves, wind, waves. Let me help you right here. Learn to identify your wind and your waves. What's yours? Is it worry? What's your distraction? What are your wind and waves? Worry? Family problems? 
financial problems, past failures, past hurts. Um, if you're in ministry, you know, uh, some kind of a letdown of some type. Betrayal. Someone talked about you. Loss of a relationship. What's your wind and what's your waves? Some temptation. Um, family problems. Learn to identify your wind and your waves. Um, could be all kinds of things. Coworker. You're like, oh, it's Monday. <sighs> Got to go be with that person for the next five days. You know, isn't that a thrill? Well, maybe it's a lack of a job. Maybe that's your wind and your waves right now. What is it? But keep your eyes on Jesus and beware of distractions. Let's go back again to Matthew 14, if you will, please. Let me begin to wrap this up. So keep your eyes on Jesus. Beware of the wind and the waves. Now, and I should say, identify your wind and your waves. And then number three, if you start to sink, call on Jesus. Listen, everybody has at one time or another started to sink. Is there anybody here right now that can honestly raise their hand and say, I have never been in a situation where I did not even get my feet wet. I did not start to sink. Raise your hand now because you're thinking now in pride. I know you are. We've all began to sink. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Beware of distractions. And if you start to sink, call on Jesus. Here's what I know. Everybody at one time or another has started to sink. Nobody bats a thousand. Nobody makes every shot. Nobody hits every fairway. Nobody makes every putt. Though we try, do we not? Listen, don't put yourself down. Don't berate yourself. Call on the master. Call on Jesus. That's what Peter did. It said, when he saw that the wind was boisterous, verse 30, he was afraid and beginning to sink, he cried out saying, Lord, save me. Now, let me ask you a question. How do you begin to sink in water? Nobody begins to sink. If this was all water here and I jumped off, I wouldn't like go real slow and begin to sink. He wasn't walking in mud. Quicksand is walking on water. It's a perfect picture of his faith waning as he got his eyes off of Jesus and onto his problems. His eyes were off Jesus and off what he said, and his eyes were now on the problems, on the wind, on the waves that were all coming against him, and he began to sink. Now, we don't know how far he sunk. We do know his head was above water because he's able to call out to Jesus. Listen, don't wait till you go under for the third time. Uh, might be a good time to pray now. When you feel yourself beginning to sink, call on Jesus. Don't wait. What do people do? Try to do it themselves. Well, get your snorkel ready, all right? 
What do people do? Or they, or they get mad and try to blame somebody else. Adam tried that one in the garden also. Lord, the woman you gave to me. Now, if you hadn't given her to me, I wouldn't have been tempted like this because the woman you gave me gave me that fruit. And if it wasn't for her, and if you hadn't given her to me, so really, Lord, it's not my fault. God just said, give it a rest. Men have been blaming their wives ever since. Hey, ladies, say amen, right? All right. We try to rationalize stuff and we try to, you know, make excuses. Listen, forget all that. Just get real. Call on Jesus. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Beware of distractions. If you begin to sink, if you start to sink, call on Jesus. And again, how does he, how does he begin to sink? He wasn't walking on quicksand. It's a perfect example of his faith, like, like a dead battery. You ever been in a car and then, it, you know, it's wah, 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 but it won't start. It's, the, 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 it's going dead, the battery. And you keep turning it and keep turning it and it gets wah, 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 wah. And after that, it goes, and it's gone, right? <laughs> dead battery. And what do we do? We just, you know, us men, we just keep turning that key, huh? It's going to fix itself. Call on Jesus. Now, here's the amazing thing about this story. Peter allowed something that had no bearing whatsoever on what he was doing rob him of his faith. Because let me ask you a question. Is it any easier to walk on water on a calm day? So what does it matter that it was windy? The wind had nothing to do at all with what he was doing. Nothing. Not a thing. What does it matter? We could be in an enclosed atmosphere, a controlled climate, on a pool that looks like a mirror, like glass. Would it be any easier? So the wind had, so oftentimes we allow things to come against us and distract us that have no bearing whatsoever on what we're doing. They're straight up distractions. Get our eyes off of Jesus. Somebody said something. Something happened. Something made us mad. I was in Costco the other day. No joke. And I'm getting ready to be with Esther. And then I was in, we had a church thing going that night. And so I, but you know, she sends me to Costco to get some stuff. So I'm in Costco. What a thrill. And so, you know, you're always trying to get the, the best line in Costco, right? Am I right? All right. So I'm in there. And so this lady had a basket and her husband had a basket. And so she's trying to motion to him what to do. So they're going to cut across. I had my eye on a spot, but she jumped over there. So I said, are you going to go over there? She said, yes. So, so I go, okay, I'll go over here. So I cut across and I didn't realize I cut this guy off. He was already kind of a little irate, I think, with what was going on. But you know, that's, that's his problem. So, but I cut him off. And so I said, oh, I'm sorry, man. You know, I, I didn't see you there. But man, he was mad. So I'm, I'm in my line. He's in that line. And he's eyeballing me. And then he says something. All right? And I thought, I can just imagine the headline. Pastor arrested <laughs> for altercation in Costco, you know? <laughs> and I saw, and so, but he said something, and I said, hey, you know, I'm sorry I didn't see you. I, 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 I'm sorry I didn't see you, is what I said. And I, did, and I read Proverbs every single morning, you know? And Proverbs says, you know, it's the glory for a man to overlook an offense, and a wise man has a cool spirit and all this, and I think I'm cool, you know? So anyway, and so... <laughs> And so, so I know these verses are in there, but man, I'm thinking, but the Bible also says a fool's mouth calls for a beating. And, and I'm like, I could, I could act on that verse right now, you know? <laughs> but anyway, I stood there, and so, and so I said, listen, I go, I, I told you I'm sorry twice. I didn't see you, and, 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 that's, what, you know, and that's that. And I just ignored him from that. And I thought later, how stupid is that? 
Talk about winning ways with no bearing whatsoever on what you're going to be doing in your life. And that was the end of it. I went home, and that was the end of that. That would be a good sermon illustration, right? Okay. Keep your eyes on Surviving the storm. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Beware of distractions. If you start to sink, call on Jesus. Now, learn the lesson. Learn the lesson. What's the lesson? Jesus was there the entire time. He was always within reach of Peter. When Peter called to him, the Bible says he stretched out his hand and caught him. So he was within reach. He was always within reach. He's always within reach of you and me too. People just think the storm came, where's God? He's within reach. Call on him. Don't wait till you're underwater. When you just begin, call on him. Learn the lesson. Now this one, guys, is huge. Jesus didn't move until Peter called on him. You need to know this. Jesus didn't move until Peter called on him. People think, oh, well, if God loved me, he would just do this and he would just do that. He wouldn't. No, Jesus didn't move until Peter called on him. God wants all to be saved, but whoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Call on him. Call on him. So he was always within reach. Jesus didn't move until Peter called on him. And the reason Peter even began to sink is because he began to doubt. Jesus said, I don't think Jesus was putting him down. I think Jesus was thrilled that Peter got out of the boat. I think his eyes lit up like, you want to come out? Yeah, come on. I think he was just trying to instruct Peter about faith here when he said, oh, you have little faith, why did you doubt? New Living says, why did you doubt me? I was here the whole time. Why did you doubt me? That same Peter began, became the leader of the church in the book of Acts. Amen. So let's bow our heads. Let's pray right now about this. Lord, thank you so much for your goodness. We praise your wonderful name. Lord, I, I don't know. I know that all of us at one time go through a storm, and, and I don't know right now who it is that is here that's facing a storm, and, and it might be like the, I mean, just Hurricane Katrina on steroids in their life right now. I mean, major. And the thing is this, Lord, when we're going through it, it always seems like it's major. So I don't know who it is, Lord, but I know this, if we'll keep our eyes on you, and if we'll be aware of distractions, and if we will continually call upon you, we will, just like Peter, he got right back to that boat with Jesus. So I pray for them right now. I don't know who it is, Lord. There's somebody else that could be here. And right now the clouds are gathering. And, and, but we know what to do. We know how to stand. We know what to do to survive the storm. So I pray for them right now, Lord, in the wonderful name of Jesus. Thank you that we are strong in you and the power of your might. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. And having done all to stand, we stand therefore. So I bless them and I thank you for them tonight. In Jesus' wonderful, wonderful name, amen and amen. Let's go live this. Let's put it to work in our lives. Let's keep our eyes upon him. Amen? All right. Thank you for letting me come tonight. I love you all. Give back to Mark right now. It's my pleasure to be here.